from the Gospel of John, first chapter. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things came to being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all the people. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. This is the word of God for the people of God. Uh, thanks be to God. Amen and amen. So I asked um, uh, Angie and Sean um, and Ryan and that, the group to uh, sing that song. I was going down the road coming back from South Florida and I, I heard that song. We sang it about two or three years ago and I think we sang it one year when we, uh, there weren't, weren't many people here because it was going through COVID and I said, can you please sing it again? So it's just a joy to be able to have that song, song, song sung with a full house tonight, which is just a beautiful thing. I just love that song. It's one of those songs that not many people have heard, but I just love the, the theme to it, Make Room in Your Heart. So, you know, I, I'm assuming the takeoff in that song, we can put together, um, it, you know, it's a place where, you know, the um, Mary Joseph show up and there they are and they're looking for a place to stay and, and they go to the innkeeper and the innkeeper says, well, there's no room. And, you know, I always thought the, and, well, the innkeeper kind of gets a bad rap, you know, I'm thinking that, you know, you can't find room for the savior of the world, really? And, and so, but then, you know, what we find here in the story is he does make room. Um, we can make actually a couple of assumptions that the, evidently the innkeeper evidently owned the stable behind the house and the stable probably was a cave. It's not what we traditionally think of a stable, but um, it was a cave, but we assume that he owned that as well. So we, he did make room for Mary Jo. It was the best thing he could do. He may do, he may do with what he had. So he, we assume that you know, he owned that particular manger. And we can also assume that he probably gave Mary and Joseph a discount on their on that room tonight. So there's two things going on there. Okay. And so what I love about that is um, um, make room in your heart. Um, is there room in your heart for God to write his story? Love that. And then, so there's a question there in that song. And then he says, can you, uh, well, you can come just as you are. It's, that's a statement. And then make room in your heart. And that's a statement. I love that. So, uh, you know, what's interesting, um, as I was reflecting upon my message this week, I, there's two um, kind of expressions you hear over and over again um, in life. At least I hear them. And the first one has to do with, um, I, I never have enough room. I don't have enough room. Um, and the other one is I never have enough time. Can you relate to that? And which is interesting about that, and um, once again, there's a kind of a paradox to that. Um, the idea, um, I don't have enough room and I don't have enough time, which indicates there's a shortage, right? But there's also, it also indicates an excess, which is a paradox. How can you have a shortage and excess? So you have a shortage of space and time, but you have it, well, the reason why you have a shortage of space and time is because you have an excess of things and you have an excess of stuff to do on your calendar. Can I be met on that? <laughs> so there is a paradox there, right? So you have shortage and excess, how that all plays out. So then I started thinking about, okay, well, uh, once again, I, I have my, my dear friends who are part of the Bargains and Blessings ministry. They're always asking, you know, Harold, we need more, we need more space. We don't have enough room, right? When I, when I run every day, which is very interesting, 
um, I run and run the same route every single day. Um, and what I've noticed is that um, me and my neighbors, we all have garages, but our cars don't fit in the garages. <laughs> because we can't make room for our cars, there's a shortage of space because we have an excess of stuff. Am I preaching to the choir? <laughs> and then it also plays out in life, right? I mean, we have so much stuff to do. Matter of fact, I looked at Amazon, uh, their website this week, and um, they said that they would be able to deliver up until actually December 24th. You could actually make your order this morning and your stuff would have probably still gotten there, get here tonight. And unless, well, once again, there was a little snafu. There is a winter storm going on in half America tonight. That could throw a monkey wrench in it all. Um, there's a paradox, isn't it? Shortage, excess. And so let me throw another paradox at you tonight. So uh, here, here's, a, here's another very powerful uh, paradox and we have in the story. So we have, the sto- we have the paradox of the king of kings being born in a stable. Now there's a paradox, isn't it? I mean, the king of kings, think about that. Wrap your head around that. In there with the, you know, the chickens and the cows and the cow poop and all that, let's be real. But you got the king of kings, there's a paradox in there. In the midst of all that kind of chaos and no, in that place. Well, it was the innkeeper had no room, but he made room. We have that. Uh, and then we also have the paradox. Um, we have this, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the prince of peace. In our story of Jesus Christ, here's the other part of the paradox is he is willing to die upon a cross. There's, there's, there's paradox going on here, right? You have the king of kings, and yet the, the, the paradox here is there's so much weakness and vulnerability, isn't there, in the stable, Mary, Joseph, baby Jesus, the king of kings, and then there's all this weakness and vulnerability of Jesus dying upon a cross, and we got all that going on. And yet, wait a minute, but then we, we trust and believe, and we believe in our hearts that Jesus truly is the king of kings. He's not just king of the Jews, but he's, he's the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the prince of peace, the alpha, the omega, the beginning. And then this is what we believe as, as Christians. But yet we have this, this beautiful, powerful paradox of power and, and vulnerability. It's all kind of wrapped in. And so here's the interesting thing. Don't miss the detail on this. I love this. So when we think about Jesus Christ, the, the power yet vulnerable, the, um, in the midst of all that, we have to ask ourselves and we think about this. So, so Jesus was willing to die in order to make room for you and me. And the trade-off on that is, all right, wait, don't miss the detail. You ready for this? The trade-off on all that is that Jesus asked one thing of us. You ready? To make room in your heart for him. I just made that up. <laughs> You're not gonna find that in Google anywhere, right? But it's the truth of the gospel lesson. So, so I love that, 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 that there is so much power in that. So Jesus was willing to die this very vulnerable death and Jesus is willing to come into the world in a very vulnerable way, the incarnation of fully human, fully divine, 
in order to make room in heaven for you and me. And the trade-off on that is that we are to make room in our heart. And we've been talking about um, expectation all this, this uh, for the last uh, four weeks. And so each week we had a different theme. We talked about, you know, um, annunciation, proclamation, humiliation. Um, and, and, so we've, and so tonight the word is illumination. Matter of fact, I love that. Here's the definition of illumination. The action of supplying the brightening with light, the action of illuminating a state of being illuminated, such as a spiritual, intellectual, or enlightenment. Um, Enlightenment, illumination, I, I love that. Uh, and so when I was thinking about this this week, um, I, I was thinking about, um, I was, um, I, I got, I, many of y'all gave me many wonderful gifts and I received, received all kinds of, um, I don't know, candies and cookies and so forth. So my, my dear fr- friend, Barb Heinball, bless her heart, she sent me this card and she's also sent a bunch of cookies to our staff. As a matter of fact, the card was said to Pastor Harold and all his staff elves. I thought that was pretty good. Now, what's interesting about Barb Heinball, here's a picture of her, here's, I love Barb. And so um, what's very powerful about Barb, um, she is 102, three months and 25 days. Who's counting? I looked it up. She's still baking cookies for Pastor Hale and his elves. And what's very powerful, not only she baked the cookies, but she wrote me this beautiful card. And then the card that says, the scripture lesson, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Hmm. So then I started thinking about, okay, I went back and I asked myself, okay, so I have told you this. And I asked myself, okay, what is this? And so what's very powerful when you go and look at this, the the scripture lesson, when you look at it, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So this, the this that she's referring to in this Christmas card that Barb gave me is if you want to have joy in your life, remain in love with God. That's pretty simple, isn't it? There it is. If you really want to have joy in your life, remain in love with God. Oh, you know, I, it would be, I would be remiss tonight if I didn't show you Pastor Harold's favorite commercial, uh, Christmas commercial. I've got another one. Last year, it was a Chevy commercial. This year, it's an Amazon commercial. So here, let's show it. Pastor Harold's favorite commercial this year. Chances are you probably saw this 30-second version, but you didn't see the two-and-a-half-minute version. Now, let me tell you something. There's a whole lot going on in that commercial. Um, well, I, 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 I actually watched it probably 10 times to like get it all. And so, you know what's interesting? You have to ask yourself, why in the world was that child so connected to the snow globe? And so if you watched it closely, I think the reason why she was connected to the snow globe because I think her mother gave her the snow globe. And her mother is not in the picture because you saw the family portrait and so chances are her mother has died. So she's being raised by her father. And hence the reason why everywhere she went, she had a connection with her mother everywhere she took the snow globe. Hence the reason why when she was going to school and her dad says, you can't take the snow globe to school, they put it in the, well, they put it in the passenger seat and put a seatbelt behind it, right? So there's all that going on in the story. But then you also have this part of the story that the father decides that he loves this child so much, he wants to do something special for her at Christmas time. And he creates 
his own version of a snow globe. And what's very interesting is that he gets all these other neighbors and other people involved. There's a sense of community involved. Going in, and I don't know if you paid attention to the details, but he created the exact replica of the snow globe that was in the snow, her snow globe. She, he put her in the snow globe, which is pretty amazing, isn't it? Now, I don't want you to know this. I looked it up. But Amazon actually hired a, an Academy Award director to produce that uh, video. Amazing. This is go get the best of the best. I'm assuming that Amazon can afford it. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> and so then I looked up the detail and I asked, uh, so I thought, okay, so what, what was this video all about according to the persons that created this? And so they said um, um, that we're happy to play a small part in the creation of that joy but the real hero of the story is a father's love for his child. Hmm. Man. Do you get that? The real hero of the story is a father's love for his child. Illumination. You know, I, I, what I, I love about this, because see, you know, if, if the amount of joy, by the title of that, sermon, uh, title of that commercial, Joy is Made, if that amount of joy can be created from a paper shredder, how much more joy can be made from the Emmanuel God with us? Can we amen on that? The incarnation of Jesus Christ, the light of the world. A father's Amazon paper shredder joy is small potatoes compared to our heavenly father who can bring forth in joy. Joy to the world, the Lord has come, let earth receive her king. Amazon is offering paper shredders, but according to the gospel of John, our heavenly father is offering us the light of the world. I am the light of the world, Jesus says, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but he will have, we will have the light of life. Mm, mm, mm. You know, it's interesting. Um, you think about, you know, once again, this this tonight, and we're going to close in just a few minutes, and the ushers are going to come down, and we'll light the candle off the Christ candle, and this whole auditorium, well, the sanctuary is just going to be full. It's going to be full. It's going to be illuminated, uh, illumination. We're focusing on that tonight. But what's really powerful about the night is that, you know, we're going to start with darkness, and then all of a sudden, the sanctuary is just going to be full of all this beautiful, beautiful light. And so what's very powerful when you put it in perspective, we have this, once again, there's this kind of paradox, isn't there, between darkness and light and light and darkness and, and that Jesus has come as the light of the world. And he continues to ultimately, you know, here's the interesting thing. You go back to the, well, you go back to the Genesis story in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth and there's all this chaos. And so God, here's the beautiful thing. God speaks into the darkness and there's light. I love that. Let me say that again. All this, all this chaos going on in the creation story, and all of a sudden, God speaks. He speaks. I know. I mean, he shouts into the darkness, and all of a sudden, there's light. And so I, I think there's something to, to be said about, once again, how Emmanuel, light of the world, God with us, continue to shout and speak into the darkness of our lives in order that we can have the light of the world. We make him room in our heart. So, you know, there's two parts of that whole thing about darkness, right? There's the darkness of like evilness and how the thought are, how we've sinned against God. We sinned against each other. We sinned against, you know, we have sinned our life through our thoughts and our words and deeds, okay? And um, so there's that part and we're all guilty of that. It's the reason why we need Jesus. 
He is the light of the world. And sometimes the interesting thing is that sometimes we don't even know what we did sometimes when we've hurt somebody. For example, a true story. Um, when I was at my other church, there was a, a young woman who went to my church. Her name was Michelle. And so I got wind of that. Evidently, I did something to hurt her. I don't even know what I did. So then I went down and she ran a preschool. She owned the preschool. I went down and I actually, you're not gonna believe this, but I actually got on my hands and knees and I said, Michelle, I hope that you'll please forgive me. And she says, Harold, please get up. You're making me nervous, is what she said. Sometimes what do you know what we did in our lives? And so there is that part of darkness, isn't it? Matter of fact, the other day I was running before our Helping Hands, Bargains and Blessings celebration and I was trying to get my, my run in before it was about four o'clock. So I was running about three o'clock and I, thought, I can get a quick run in. So I ran the neighborhood and all of a sudden I tripped over one little piece of concrete. You know what? One day after I tripped over that darn thing three or four times, I went in the back of my neighborhood and I knew exactly where it was. I got a hammer and I knocked it off. And there it is. So don't chip over it anymore. And my point of that is sometimes the littlest things can trip us up in life. I mean, I was a mess. My hands were all bloody. My knees were bloody. My back was bloody. My hand, I was in so much pain. I could barely, I just wanted somebody to come help me and there was no one to help. You get it. And then there's this other part of darkness, right? Stay with me. There's the other part of darkness, not only by our sins against our thoughts, words, and deeds, this evilness that we have in our world, but there's a darkness in which we feel some sense of depression or anxiety. So it's interesting. I was writing the sermon this week, and I got a phone call. As I was writing the sermon, one of my very dear friends who's gone up to visit family, he says, Harold, I need help. And I said, what do you need? And he says, I'm in a dark place. I'm in a dark place. I don't know what's going on, but I, I, I just need you to pray for me. And so, you know what? I yelled and spoke and screamed into the darkness of his life. And I prayed for him and I rebuked the darkness. So there is this darkness going on, but one of the beautiful things that we find in Jesus Christ, the light of the world, that's come to illuminate the world, that he has come to be able to pierce the darkness even in the midst of our despair, even in the midst of our anxiety, even in the midst of a sinful world that we live in, God has continued to shout into the darkness of life because he is the light of the world. So I close with this tonight. Is, um, I, I, I thought this, this beautiful image, I, I love this part of the year and I love Christmas Eve service, but I think one of my favorite parts of knowing that we get to this part of the night is because the winter solstice was just about three days ago. I, I keep up with this stuff, right? And so the 21st of, of December was um, the short, well, you ready? It was the shortest day of the year. That's one way of looking at it, but you can also look at it as the longest night of the year. And so do you realize that if you go back to the original beginning when they're trying to figure out when they're gonna celebrate Jesus's birthday, because they didn't, well, I want you to know this, they didn't, we don't get, we don't have Jesus's birth certificate. We don't know exactly when it was, but the early Christians came up with a day. It was December 25th. And this is, well, thousands of years ago. And so around the fourth century, the Julian calendar had it down at that date and it shifted a little bit, but it's all goes around the winter solstice. And here's the beautiful thing. You ready? From this day forward, from the next six months, we continue to celebrate that Jesus Christ continues to push back the darkness because he is the light of the world. 
So here's my theme for us to think about tonight. You know, when I think about what's just so powerful when we put it in perspective is that Jesus, the light of the world, has come to be able to illuminate our lives and to give us hope and joy and peace and love. And here is this, once again, Jesus Christ, one minute, ready? Don't miss the detail. The paradox, the, the idea of vulnerability and yet strength and power, wrapped in swallowed clothes, lying in the manger, the paradox of the weakness and vulnerability of Jesus Christ dying on a cross, and yet there's power and victory in him. Jesus was willing to die in order for you and me to have, he was willing to make room in heaven for us. And the trade-off is, hmm, we make room in our hearts for him, and that's the story tonight. We don't want to be standing on the outside looking in. Amen.